great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of rams brothers i'm your host dean and i'm joined as always by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show nick and nick we decided to dedicate a full episode to the quarterbacks we got another episode coming out this week where we're going to talk about full game preview, everything in between. But this episode, we wanted to make sure we were focused on Stafford versus Goff and all of the parallels in between. And Nick, knowing that, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. I mean, it's it's exciting. The first time ever uh, I saw this tweet that I'm sure you have the graphic ready. First time ever uh, two teams traded franchise quarterbacks and now are facing the uh, – each other in the playoffs it's just uh it's it's must-see television and uh, of course it's sunday night because it should be sunday night because it's prime time but i wish i could get my greedy fingers on it saturday morning <laughs> i don't blame you it is i think the most anticipated playoff matchup in the history of football we'll call it that for right now maybe it's for not us. but yeah. for us but for lions fans for for Matthew Stafford, for the Stafford family, for Rams fans, considering the matchup, considering the head-to-head, all of the, the pre-existing relationships with Sean McVay, obviously what Dan Campbell is doing in Detroit over the last three years with Jared Goff and his roster and Brad Holmes and the way that they've built everything. There are so many fun little parallels. So I just what, what I wanted to do in this episode was take us back, take us a little bit back in time to when Jared Goff was initially drafted because Goff was selected with the first overall pick by the Los Angeles Rams in the 2016 NFL draft. The Rams traded up to the first round, all the way, I think they were 15th pick. They traded up to the number one pick and acquired that first pick from the Tennessee Titans. It was April 14th. The Rams sent their first overall pick, the first round pick, their two second round picks, a third round pick, a 2017 first round pick and a 2017 third round pick, the Titans, in exchange for the number one overall pick, a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. Six days later, the Eagles went on and traded up to the number two spot from the Browns. And they go on the draft. The Rams go on to draft a kid from California. And obviously we have the other kid on our on our team now in Carson Wentz. But the parallels are so interesting. Goff was the second quarterback that the Rams had taken first overall in six years. The Rams had selected Sam Bradford first overall six years earlier, but from 2010 to Jared Goff, the Rams had started seven different quarterbacks. It was Sam Bradford, Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Sean Hill, Kellen Clemens. It was just a rat pack of quarterbacks under Jeff Fisher, and it led to obviously a little bit of controversy. And with Jeff Fisher, him finally being fired after losing to the Atlanta Falcons, 42 to 14 on December 12th of 2016. Jeff Fisher had what? What was his record? 31, 45, and one with the Rams. Bones ended up coming on to be the interim when Fisher was fired. The Rams were just four and nine at the time. So they still had a chance to go seven and nine, but it was over between him and Jeff Fisher. Uh, between the Rams and Jeff Fisher and Stan Kroenke and Les Need. He initially facilitated the 
the franchise moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles, and he was the coach when the Houston Oilers originally moved to Tennessee and became the Tennessee Titans, uh, which why probably Stan Kroenke thought he was the guy for the job. But Nick, a lot of interesting background in relation to Jared Goff, how we got here, and why I think the prized possession of having Jared Goff in the building as the first overall pick was so exciting for Rams fans back in 2016 and 17. Well, I, everybody still felt snake bitten from Bradford, so I felt like the the prize number all number one overall pick wasn't what it had been prior to Bradford for us. But Goff was the last number all, uh, uh, first round pick we've had since uh, that since year. Goff. Yeah, <laughs> since, since Goff. Like, yeah, there hasn't we haven't had another one. So it it. <laughs> what they did with him in that first round and, you know, thank God Sean McVay came in and rejuvenated his career because under Jeff Fisher, they started him against the Miami Dolphins one week or weren't really a great team. Fisher was like, just feels like it's time. And he played terrible. And then he played the rest of the season and he didn't look really good. No flashes of greatness. He was getting destroyed by the O-line. He had no time to throw the ball. And you're sitting there like, what even is this team? What could it possibly be? Is this kid a bust? Like Dean saying, we should have got Carson Wentz because Wentz was already <laughs> kind of lighting up in a way. Um, but I was like, you know, he's a pocket passer. You just got to give him more time. You got to get him more help. And then, I mean, in his, in Jared Goff's defense in 2016, he had Greg Robinson blocking his blind side, who was on weed. It was on a lot of weed. You can't have the blind side protector of your number one overall pick protecting him on weed. You got Andrew Whitworth in the building the next year. And I think that's when everything kind of turned around. Sean McVay is hired exactly a month after Jeff Fisher is hired. They immediately go 11 and five. Goff goes 11 and four as a starter under Sean McVay. The Rams bring in legitimate support, as we mentioned. Um, No more Greg Robinson. We focused on Andrew Whitworth. We got John Sullivan at center, which was a huge ad. Rob Havenstein was already in the building. Tyler Higby. Todd Gurley, eventually Cooper Cup. They were all able to come in and grow up with Jared Goff. They brought in Robert Woods. They brought in Sammy Watkins. Tavon Austin was eventually phased out. But Jared Goff's physical limitations weren't in question in the 2017 season. Maybe they were in question in the 2016 season, but 2017 rolls around. Sean McVay comes into the building, and it's not a matter of physical limitations anymore. It's a matter of getting the most out of your first overall pick and bringing him necessary support, obviously up front, but then also other skilled players. And 2018, they go to the Super Bowl. They were just on what a turnaround. Yeah, it felt like it was overnight, right? Like in 2017, they're playing really well. They're losing the wild card round. But these pictures should all be reminiscent of the new era of Rams football that that Jared Goff brought to the table with Sean McVay, with Todd Gurley, with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But all of these pictures are very emblematic of that 2018 season. You see Goff, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods, which was an incredible tandem at the time. Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley were literally growing up before our eyes. Um, and it was it was so exciting. But I think what happened in that season, and it was against Chicago, specifically Vic Fangio, which is when everything and everybody got a little bit concerned about the Rams' offense and how schematically they were going to be able to advance. Matt Patricia slowed it down. Vic Fangio slowed it down. It was the Chicago game and then the Detroit game where we felt like the Lions and Coach Belichick Um, were kind of in cahoots, right? It felt like Matt Patricia being a disciple of Bill Belichick. It was like a little bit of a teaser in terms of what we were going to get over the next couple of weeks. Um, And we saw it eventually rear its ugly head in the Super Bowl. The Patriots just absolutely abused the blitz in the Super Bowl. And I think that's what was so frustrating about that was Jared Goff's numbers under pressure. I wish I had the, the graphic here, but I don't. He was 
I think it was like 52% completion percentage. It might have even went a little bit lower than that when he was under pressure. I think uh, Bill Belichick just blitzed him consistently up that A gap. And then they were also playing a gap to gap scheme defensively to counteract the outside zone scheme. So it was like all of these things were starting to kind of come out. And Goff was so damn good this year. Like he was an MVP candidate until week 13 when they played the Chicago Bears and they lost like 15 to six. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean he, it, was, it was already, it was there to have and it was there for the taking. He has since grown up and now has beat uh, Vic Fangio's defense twice this year because I'm, uh, or no, sorry, Brian Flores. He's beat Brian Flores' defense twice this year, um, who was a key member of that uh, Patriots Super Bowl winning team when they faced him. Um, but I, it felt like that 2018 year. I remember we were talking the day of the Super Bowl. Um, we felt like if they stole this one, there would be a lot more to come because they were already overachieving with what they had at that point. There was a lot of these guys are really young and especially the coach. And if they can get in there and win one, then it feels like there's another dynasty coming our way because if, if we're doing this at this age with, with this young of a cast, who knows what can happen. And then of course they put up one of the most lackluster performances in the Super Bowl. Um, but I will say this, when they played Matt Patricia and um, the Lions that year, they had a healthy Todd Gurley and a healthy Cooper Cup. And it, I honestly feel like those two things could have been the difference maker in that Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously it's like you have a, and there was a holding call in that Super Bowl on Todd Gurley when he was finally able to spring a run, run free on John Sullivan, which was total BS. Not having Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl and losing him to a torn ACL against Seattle earlier that year was very, very painful. And then in 2019, Nick, that rolls around, you lose the Super Bowl 13 to three, and then they lose John Sullivan. They lose Roger Saffold. Todd Gurley regressed and then was eventually cut while we were doing a live podcast with our dad. We were Such like, a oh, weird season that 2019 season. Oh. Uh, like it, they signed Jalen Ramsey, but they're also like two games out of a wild card spot, and you're just like, what? What are we doing? Like, I guess we're going to go for it all, and then they miss the playoffs. They lose to Nick Mullins in San Francisco, and <laughs> that's the game that kind of decides them that they're not going to make it. Like, yeah, they went. I think they went on the go trade for Jalen Ramsey after they lost three straight games, which is like. Three straight games, losing three straight with Sean McVay can sometimes be a blessing because obviously it brought Jalen Ramsey into the building. It it revokes change. But then also Clay Matthews, Eric Weddle, and some of the other guys that were on this roster were in their final years. They missed out on the playoffs. They were 9-7. and seven, And that was Wade Phillips' final year. That was it. Sean McVay had enough with Wade Phillips. He was like, all right, I think we let up 44 points in the second to final week of the season. Um, and then Bones got fired the next week after the Cardinals game. So you had a complete overhaul of the coaching staff. And then the 2020 season seemed to be where it needed to be. Like they seemed to kind of revive things offensively. They shuffled with the offensive line. They drafted David Edwards. They had Austin Blythe at center, Austin Corbett at right guard. And then you had your two bookends with Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein still. And then you brought in Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson in the draft and a backfield full of rookies with Cooper Cup healthy and almost everybody back. They were a problem again. But it was injuries yep. to Goff's thumb late in that season. Cooper Cup ended up missing five games despite having the number one defense under Brandon Staley, who is not even a coach in this league anymore. Hopefully, if Raheem Morris goes and gets a head coaching job, maybe Brandon Staley's back with us. Maybe it's Wing Martindale. Who knows? But they were able to cook enough, cook up enough offensively in Lambeau. They weren't. 
And that, I think that was Sean McVay's hope. They were like, if we can get through this divisional round, we can get back to another NFC championship, another Super Bowl, then you know whatever my legacy is going to be will be. And I can carry along this quarterback as far as I want to. But then I think the, the physical limitations kind of caught up with Sean McVay and they all of this stuff kind of just kind of started to bottle up. You saw John Wolford. I think he was intrigued by that. His Jared Goff's inability to extend plays with his legs, manipulate defenders with his eyes and his shoulders, throw off platform, throw different arm angles, the pre-snap recognition, the decision-making. Line of scrimmage at times were poor. And I thought Sean McVay at the time was like, if I call a bad play, it can go catastrophically bad. We could totally lose the game on a bad play call because our quarterback can't make an adjustment to the line of scrimmage or hold on to the football and not turn it over. And it, listen, Jared Goff is a very good quarterback, but I think for what Sean McVay in terms of how he wanted to evolve his offense provoked the trade of Matthew Stafford. And I think we could all understand that. The 2020 season was and will forever go down as the season where the wheels fell off for Jarrett and Sean. Um, it was, yeah, I did like, the Dolphins game comes to mind first where it's the first two a game and it, you know, feels like you should be able to beat this team, but then it's Brian Flores' defense who blitzes the shit out of them. So part of my French. Um, and then it gives the ball over like three times. I think he had four turnovers in the first half. Oh, yeah. Maybe four turnovers. Yeah. I think you're right. And then it was the Jets game where um, they lose to the winless Jets, which was, on like Christmas Eve, which almost broke uh, my father. I watched that game with him. I don't think I've ever seen a man, you know, combust in front of me like that before. Never seen anybody consume so much whiskey in no. just yeah. a four quarter period. It was honestly, my gosh. and I think it was like 120 proof whiskey. So it was tuned him up a little bit too much. So it, I mean, I, it was it was historically bad, and it it felt like. At that point, it was done, uh, especially when I think it's you're going into the playoffs and you're starting John Wolford. And mm -hmm. I, it's like you didn't want to admit it, but it felt like it was done. And then he, Wolford gets knocked out of the game. I think Goff, Goff comes in and leads them to, uh, you know, to the win. And then I was like, oh, he might be able to do this just out of pure spite because the press conferences and his tone – after that were completely different. I remember he yeah. was talking about the um, the piece of metal that, that they put in his thumb. He's like, that's going to be in me until I'm six feet in, into the ground. I was like, Jared, I've well, never heard you talk like that before. We asked oh, we are on a day basis. Um, he has to be carrying around some kind of spike. He has to be carrying around I some kind of I don't know. I feel like, extra he's, desire like he's the the Would you not want to stick it to Coach McVay? The guy that obviously just wrote you off and said, go to Detroit and we're, we're going to trade first round picks on top of you to bring in another quarterback. That was an insult. I, I remember reading two things. One of them was he was a sought after quarterback on the trade market when they were going to trade him. Um, but they wanted to get somebody like Stafford uh, older and wiser and, you know, can read defenses a little better and, with that came with some compensation and Detroit needed to mix things up anyway. So they were game to play ball and Stafford wanted to leave. So it was a perfect marriage or divorce, I guess it was a perfect divorce that led to a perfect marriage. But the other thing, oh crap, what was the other thing I read? It was something with, Oh, Goff. I, I remember Goff requesting an exit interview um, yeah. from Sean McVay. 
Uh, and <laughs> I remember Whitworth, who was telling a story, was like, are you crazy? Like, no, like, don't ever do that. And he was like, no, I want him to, I want him to tell me to my face what I did wrong, where I can improve, because if not, then, uh, you know, will I ever get better? Which is so adult and so hard um, to do, especially if you've been fired from a job. Like, yeah. that's not something that, like, especially one on, you know, a, a billion dollar type job where you're yeah. like kind of foreseeing, you know, like this billion dollar offense. McVay came out though and said, I think it was, was it earlier this season when he said Jared Goff seems to be progressing in the direction we were hoping after the trade? It seems like he's really taking on more responsibility. He's learning more at the line of scrimmage. He's a little bit more proactive in his passing game. He certainly has progressed. I mean, he had to go through hell to get there, especially that first season in Detroit. The team was so bad around him. And now they they got some pieces and he's definitely like it. I think it's a real conversation now of who is the better quarterback. And I remember in the 2021 season, um, that would, that's a lot of what I was saying was, I don't know how much better one is over the other. And I was very down on Stafford because I, I saw Jarek off lead us to a Super Bowl. I've never seen Matthew Stafford win a playoff game. So, I mean, <laughs> and, that was a lot of our dialogue for that 2020. It was, it was probably our dialogue for the, the entire season. Nick, I, I'm, I summed it up. This was our dialogue. This was exactly it. Sean okay. McVay, not only wanting somebody that could bail him out at times, but someone who believed could evolve his offense with. We probably disagreed on that at some point. He wanted somebody who could beat the blitz and outsmart himself at times, which I think we disagreed with at some point too. And I think just overall intelligence and game experience, like Matthew Stafford has legitimate command at the line of scrimmage. His recognition pre-snap and post-snap is one of the best of all time. And I think on a drunken trip to Cabo, when you just look at his natural abilities, Matthew Stafford could get his offense to the point where Sean McVay needed it to be. And oh, and also the deep ball. Matthew Stafford was taking shots at a 17% rate, which was second in the NFL when they traded for him. And Goff was only throwing the deep ball 9% of the time, which ranked 31st in the league. So you knew exactly what Sean McVay wanted to get out of this offense. But I think that was our entire conversation for the full year was like, okay, you're going to trade for Matthew Stafford. It's a massive gamble. He's going to take deep shots, but he's going to throw interceptions. And is he going to throw the big interception to the 49ers against Jaquiski Tart? in the NFC championship? Like, is he going to be able to win a Super Bowl at home? <clears throat> All those questions were relevant and Matthew Stafford hadn't won any playoff games. And to your point, Nick, Jared Goff already took us there. And then you yeah. look at the head-to-head comparison between the quarterbacks since they were traded in 2021, between the Rams and the Lions, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, completion percentages are identical, win losses are identical, passing touchdown Stafford is less. They have the same amount of turnovers and a passer rating. Matthew Stafford is one point lower than Jared Goff. But there is context between the numbers. We can't just show this that that stat and be like, okay, Jared Goff is just as good as Matthew Stafford. A lot of that will need to be proven over the next four weeks if Jared Goff is going to enter that conversation, in my opinion. Yeah, like you're saying these next four weeks. Yeah. If Jared Goff takes, hey, listen, if I if I swapped Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff right now. I would be betting on the Detroit Lions to go beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship and go on to the Super Bowl. But but with Jared Goff right now having to, to take on the Rams in their home stadium and Matthew Stafford being on a revenge tour and texting his wife, let's fucking go, as soon as that game ended, it felt like to me it was time for Jared Goff to step up and go win four games and go win the Super Bowl. Like That's the only way that you enter the same conversation as Matthew Stafford, as Kurt Warner, and some of the other Rams greats. You can get there, but you got to finish the job. 
Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I agree. I, I think that uh, there are two types of duos in this world that produce incredible um, like masterpieces. Uh, one of them is the, like it's the Adam McKay, Will Ferrell duo, which is now since broken up who are always stacking ideas on top of each other. Like, Oh, this is funny. Oh, this is really funny. Oh, yeah. this is great. This is great. Um, which I think is the McVeigh and Stafford duo. And then there's the John Lennon, Paul McCartney duo that is constantly at battle with each other and are secretly competing the entire time. But that, com that competition is what makes them both even better, which is what I saw. I, the John Lennon one and Paul McCartney one is how I saw McVeigh and Goff for a little bit towards the end. And I think that kind of like when you're fighting with somebody that's kind of on your team, it draws the best course of, uh, of product yeah, competition. Yeah. yeah. But Absolutely. with McVeigh and Stafford, it's just like two crazy guys rolling the dice, yeah. at, you know, at the casino and Hey, you know, you went all in and you, and you won great job. But sometimes I do worry that that, you know, bolstering personality between both of them, that, that idea to love to gamble, could be their demise. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but you know, it, yeah, I, I, worry, I think I in that game particularly, because I think Stafford's going to have a, you know, a kind of desire to just ball the hell out. Yeah. I think in that, in that relationship, I would consider Sean McVay, John Lennon, and I would consider uh, Jared Goff to be Paul McCartney, but like, just because of the, the personalities, yeah. right. Somebody's a little yeah, bit more abrasive. Somebody's a little bit more relaxed. Um, and I, I think that, when this all happened, like when Matthew Stafford was finally traded and it was, it was such drama, right? It was, I think it was right after the Super Bowl in uh, the 2020 season. So you're in 2021 at this point, you were after looking like a global pandemic where everybody's emotions <laughs> like couldn't have been higher. We're like finally getting back to real life. And then they dropped this bombshell on us and absolute bombshell. I, I didn't really know what to, what to do. No, I know the lions had received Jared Goff a 2022 first round pick, a 2023 first round pick and a 2023 third round pick for Matthew Stafford and a Super Bowl ring. It was a, just a mind blowing trade. Um, and Stafford goes on to win 12 games in his first season with the Rams. He beats Arizona in his first playoff game ever. Um, and I, that I one, I think we were all extremely nervous about Then He goes into Tom Brady's house and beats the 13 and four bucks on a Cooper cup for the love of the game seam route. And then he goes into SoFi and holds down the home field against San Francisco. And then he does it again two weeks later against Cincinnati. Like they lost the entire month of November. They brought in Von Miller and OBJ to take us over the top. Yeah, that's a fact. But Matthew Stafford did everything he needed to do to take us over the top and win us the Super Bowl. And you needed to do it for guys like this. You needed to do it for Andrew Whitworth. You needed to do it for Aaron Donald. You needed a guy that was going to be able to come into the building and get you over the top for two legacy all-time great Ram players, unanimous Hall of Famers. And there were a couple of other players on the roster like Eric Weddle and Rob Havenstein and some other guys that we really wanted to get wins for. And I think bringing Matthew Stafford into the building, the relationship he immediately developed with Cooper Cup was just an incredible match. And now it leaves us with, the, I think, the most intriguing playoff game, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, in playoff history with these two polarizing figures. Um, I, I can't wait. I really I it's it's going to be just must watch television. I'm, I don't know who has more of like, 
like Stafford in Detroit, obviously, like he's going to be happy to be back there. But now there's this whole jersey ban, which is not done by the team at all. It's like some fans had this idea and they made a petition and then it kind of got out of hand. Um, but I mean, you know, don't, which certainly now has gotten back to him and his wife. So that's fire in his belly that the Lions fans didn't need. And then you have Jarrett who this, he's facing the team with players on it that are like essentially like his brothers, like with cup and Donald that, you know, they went to a Super Bowl together. Um, he's facing his team and his former coach that yeah, fired. Like how do you not have a bigger chip on your shoulder than that? Like, I've said it before, but whoever wins this game will be the team I'm rooting for going forward. However, obviously we want the Rams to win, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm upset that Jared Goff was able to, you know, put a nail in, in, in a Rams coffin in a way. And Considering prove to, yeah, prove to I, the, the, the deniers that, you know, he is like a, a legitimate, you know, quarterback. The Rams in this game. We're going to talk about it in the next episode, but the Rams leading in interior pressure throughout the entire season is a mismatch for Jared Goff. It's definitely going to be a game where he's got to bring everything to the table if he's going to want to win. You're missing Sam Laporta, which is roughly 20% of his not, target shares. Not fully so he's confirmed, but like not 90 fully confirmed. Or, yeah. But yeah, about 90%. So it's it's almost comparable to Jared Goff when he was in 2018, when he was missing Cooper Cup, when he had a banged up Todd Gurley. And it just, it wasn't all where it needed to be at that exact moment. So it's a place he's been before. I would yeah. imagine that he carries more weight on his shoulders just because he has that other guy across the sideline who ended his career with the Los Angeles Rams. He thought he was going to be there for 15 years and go back to another Super Bowl. And that was right. taken away from him. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I can't wait to see the way that the two interact with each other before the game starts. Let me just, oh, yeah. And then when the game ends, I, I want to ask you this, though. And this is, you know, this is just for me. What Super Bowl team did you think was better? The 2018 team or the 2021 team? 2021. Yeah. 2020. You know why? Because the quarterback is all the difference in this league. When you have a guy that can manipulate. Oh, oh sorry. Outside of the quarterback position. <laughs> right outside the quarterback. Take out the quarterback. Uh it's tough, right? Because you had no running game in 2021 and you had Todd Gurley in, in 2018. Right. But, I think, but, but the state of Gurley at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Which was um, clearly banged up. I don't know. I remember watching Sony Michelle the entire month of December in 2021 run for 100 yards consistently week after week. So, like, was the running game really that bad or did they just neglect it? And then, like, the, the addition of Odell Beckham Jr., that team, I think, offensively was more of a threat because they could win in, in so many different ways. And you saw the 2018 season and that team, you saw an element of their offense be taken away in the run game by the defense playing gap to gap and being able to extend and shift off of blocks on that outside zone scheme to, to counteract Todd Gurley. But then also like Jared Goff missed on a couple of deep throws. So it's like all of these things were probably floating around in McVay's mind. And he was like, okay, if I could just make this one little tweak, our rosters don't have to be that drastically different. We could bring in another two pieces in Von Miller and OBJ and maybe get over the top and they gambled and they did the job. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it almost like spooked him a little bit that he needed everything, oh, yeah. like everything to get back there. And he did, they, they needed all of Von Miller, all of OBJ, uh, you know, all of Whitworth and Donald and all of the key pieces. But I will say this, this will be the last thing I'll say, because I think the 2021 team was better too. 
with with and without the quarterback, I think the 2021 team was superior. A lot of that 2018 season, and and this is what happens when you're a quarterback. Will that loss, that 2018 Super Bowl loss, will always fall on Jared Goff's shoulders? And the, the through through the media, through Rams fans, through everybody, it'll always be on him. And the one thing I really disliked about that was everybody else is allowed to say that, and that's fine. But when the head coach also starts piling on on top yeah. of that, yeah. when McVay, I think, is equally to blame for that play call Super Bowl because sure. you know you're doing nothing to adjust to uh, to this blitz throughout the entire game, and it's not like the defense was giving different looks; they just kept changing it. Um, that was the one moment where I felt like it's just not, you know, this, this is just being treated poorly. Like I feel yeah. bad for this guy. He's been an amazing member of, of the community. He helped this franchise get back to the top. Uh, so close to the top, I, I should say. So that's why I've always, you know, rooted for him and, you know, seen it, seen it through and been a big supporter of his. Hey, you're, just a good, you're a good Rams fan. Your heart's involved. I wanted them to win a Super Bowl. Jared Goff. I said, who didn't? I mean, that would have been the most fun thing in the history of the Rams' organization. Like you, of course, you maybe second to winning with Kurt Warner, who was bagging groceries the year prior. You bring in right. Jared Goff, first overall pick, and go from nothing as a franchise after being 15 years removed from the greatest show on turf, and you go win one with Jared Goff. Yeah, the uh, whole world rejoices. Rams fans are so excited. But I started to feel the pressure too as a fan. I started to feel it in 2019 and 2020. You felt it before I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, God, make the move. Trade them and let's go. Let's go gamble. Let's do it again. Yeah. Um, and the, we're setting up nicely for our next episode, which will be an official game preview. And I'm, I can't wait to do all everything in between outside of the quarterbacks. But if you guys are enjoying the podcast, if you guys are a new subscriber, make sure to continuously comment, like, send along to your friends. It increases the reach of these episodes. Like comment whatever the hell you want. It's great, great for the episode. We read every single one. I'm not even going to lie We do. And we want to hear your guys' thoughts on, on this topic because we felt like it was warranted to do a full episode on these two guys versus combining it all together. So let us know your thoughts. We love you. We appreciate you guys. And ram it. <laughs> like and subscribe. Go Rams. Like Go Rams. I said on the last podcast that my favorite quarterback ever was Jared Goff and then Matt Stafford right after him I forgot to mention Eli Manning and <laughs> there is no ranking between those three they are all just synonymous number ones all goes Stafford number one Kurt Warner number two Mark Bolger number three no I'm just kidding Jared Goff three Bolger four nice all Rams <laughs> we love you guys go Rams talk soon <laughs>